ask around a Twinkie. And a couple young men, they're going to make sure everybody gets a Twinkie. Now, we want everybody to get a Twinkie. And we have a couple of young ladies. We want to make sure you have a small card. Inside your bulletin, there should have been a small card. We want to make sure everyone, not just every couple or every family, but everyone has a small card and everyone has a thank you. And everyone has a Twinkie. Thank you very much, Jeff. We want to make sure everybody's got a Twinkie. So please pass one down. Even if you do not like Twinkies, we want you to have a Twinkie. Even if you're on a diet, even if you're diabetic, even if you are allergic to sodium cassinate, cellulose gum, or sorbic acid, we want you to have a Twinkie. Please do not eat the Twinkie. We want to ask you to leave the cellophane intact. But we want everyone to have a Twinkie and everyone to hold on to a Twinkie. While they are distributing the cream-filled tweets... I'm sorry? Yeah, just throw the empty boxes up here or take them home for souvenirs. Let's talk about... The cream-filled goodies just a little bit. Twinkies are harmless. Think of Twinkies from this respect. They're soft. And they're, they're, not, they're not hard enough that you could use them effectively as a weapon. So from that sense, Twinkies are safe. Twinkies only have about 150 calories. Much less than a Snickers bar. So even if you're dieting, even if you're diabetic, one Twinkie probably isn't going to do too much damage. My point is that Twinkies just really are not all that bad. On the other hand, Twinkies are not especially good for you. They have no dietary fiber, only one gram of protein, no vitamin A, no vitamin C. So I think what we could say about a Twinkie is that it's just kind of middle of the road. Bad but not all that good, eaten in moderation, a Twinkie isn't going to hurt anyone. With that definition, I want to ask you to identify the Twinkie in your life. What is it that you do? What is it that you possess that really isn't all that bad? It's, it's probably harmless. But at the same time, it isn't doing any good. You don't really benefit from it. Identify what it is that occupies your time, has your attention, absorbs your energy, and maybe even takes a little bit of money. Now, you may know what your Twinkie is right now. It may be that through the sermon you'll come to identify what it is. But before you leave today, I challenge you to identify the Twinkie in your life. And then what I want to ask you to do is write it down on that little card that, is, that, that you have that was in your bulletin. Write down what it is. It's not especially good, not especially bad, but is just occupying your life. And as we go through the sermon, I'm going to suggest to you some spiritually nutritious activities to replace the Twinkie.
Now, this whole idea comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, that may seem like a great big leap from the writings of the Apostle Paul to a Twinkie. But here's the connection. The Apostle Paul is riding to runners in a race. And I understand we've got about 15 people from the congregation who participated in the warrior dash yesterday. And somehow Jeff told me that the Viking cap has some kind of connection to the warrior dash. And so we've got some people here today that were in a grueling race yesterday. From what I understand, it took a great deal of strength, endurance, and commitment to get through that warrior dash. The Olympic Games conclude in London today. Throughout the past two weeks, we have watched runners and swimmers race. We have watched gymnasts and divers and jumpers and throwers competing. They are the very best from around the world. Now, part of being in the Olympics is simple genetics. But even those with the genetics must train. They are on the track. They are in the pool. They are in the gym every day, building muscle, building stamina and skill. They invest time, energy, sweat, blood, and loads of money in order to be the very best in the world. And they miss some things. No one makes that kind of training investment without missing something. Have you been seeing the commercial that's been running between events? The one in which the athletes talk about the things that they've missed. They talk about that bestseller that everybody read this summer. I didn't read it. The blockbuster movie that everybody saw. I didn't go to it. Because they were busy preparing for the Olympics. Something that wasn't included in that was school events and family gatherings. Now, there's nothing about watching television or a school event, or a family gathering that is going to hinder the ability of an athlete. But those are sacrifices that have to be made in order to train. So I want to ask you, what is keeping you from training? What is keeping you from spiritual training? That's the connection that the Holy Spirit makes for us. I want to take you to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, where we, where we read there, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Well, God tells us right there, physical training has some value. The alchemists at London were able to turn that physical training into gold. However, compared to godliness, compared to spiritual training, that physical training has very little value. Olympic glory fades very fast. Gold and prize money and endorsements and fame, they are all so fleeting. We're talking about spiritual training. Because we are in a spiritual race. Spiritual training has value now. And spiritual training has value for the next life. For all eternity. And there is something in your life that is keeping you from excelling in spiritual training. It isn't all that bad. It isn't all that good. 
It's a Twinkie. My challenge for you this morning is to drop that Twinkie and get into strict spiritual training. To guide us in that, I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read for you verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In those verses, we are encouraged to go into strict spiritual training. So what do we do? How do we train for this spiritual race? It is absolutely essential that we begin with Bible study. Every successful athlete studies... They study the anatomy and the physics of their sport. They study other successful athletes. They study their own past performance in order to achieve the very best for their next performance. The guide to the Christian life is the Bible. This is God's Word. It is our guide for faith and practice. That means it is our guide. For everything we do, for everything we teach, for everything we believe. God had some very high praise for some people who lived in the city called Berea. Their level of spiritual training them, their, their level of spiritual training earned them a place in, pro, in, in posterity. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. The Bereans were noted for receiving the Gospel with eagerness. These people had heard the Apostle Paul. And he had told them that God himself had taken on our form. He had become a man just like us. He had been born of a virgin. And then he had grown to be a man. He had lived. He ate. He worked among people. He lived a perfect, sinless life, but he was executed on a cross. His death became the substitute For the death we had earned. But three days later, he rose from the dead, returned to heaven, and he's coming again. That is the gospel. That is what the people in Berea heard, and they accepted it. But they did more than just accept it. They studied the scriptures. They dug into their Bibles to be sure that what they had heard was true. And God identifies that. As noble character. Now you've heard this before. You've heard about the Bereans before. 
It is so important for us to have examples. It's especially important for us to have examples for the things that we know we should be doing. I heard about a young married couple that their habit was every day they would pull into the driveway. They would park the car. He would get out, walk around the car, open his door, open her door, take his new bride into his arms, give her a big kiss, and then they would walk hand in hand into the house. There was another couple that lived across the street. They'd been married for a number of years. And she, they had both been watching this, and she wanted so much a display of affection like that for herself. And she thought, how wonderful that he has this good example. And so she said, why don't you do that? And he looked back at her and he said, I don't know her that well. (laughs) It's important to have good examples. We have examples to follow. We have the example of the Bereans. Maybe you know someone who studies his or her Bible daily. You've heard preachers talk about how important it is to study your Bible daily. Today I am pleading with you to stop the excuses. Now, it can help to have books to help us get some background. It can help to have some study tools. It can help to have a plan to read the Bible through in a year. But you don't need all that. Don't make the excuse that you can't study your Bible because you don't have everything that you need. A preacher named John Orkberg said that reading the Bible through the year is a good thing. However, he noted that God is not so much interested in you getting all the way through the Scripture as He is getting the Scripture all the way through you. Now, some of you are studying your Bible every day, and that's great. Some of you don't. Some of you have said that you would. Some of you have said that you want to, but you don't. So why? Why aren't you studying your Bible every day? Well, it's probably because of a Twinkie. Now, you may not be doing anything really bad. You're not doing anything that you're ashamed of. But you're doing some things that are the equivalent of empty calories. You have a Twinkie. So are you starting to identify some activities or some non-activities that absorb your time? Things that you are doing instead of investing 30 minutes a day in God's Word? Drop it. Drop that Twinkie. Make time to study God's Word. After you have invested time in God's Word, after you have come to know Him better, after you have increased your understanding of who He is and how He works, it is essential to devote yourself to prayer. If you're not happy with your prayer life, if you don't feel that your prayers are being answered, if it feels like your prayers go to the ceiling and then just drop right back down onto you, it may very well be that the issue is that you are not in strict training for prayer. You may have heard people tell you, well, you can pray anywhere, anytime. Just dash off a quick prayer and God will, God will hear you. Well, that sounds nice. It's popular advice. 
The problem is, it does not square with what God Himself has said. God's, God does not say He hears every prayer. And God does not say, oh, just throw up a quick one when you get a chance. Instead, listen to what God says. This is from Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote. Take a moment and let that sink in. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote. Americans are not very good at this. If we are going to devote ourselves to prayer, it's going to take some time. Americans are much more like what you're seeing on the screen light right now. Donna found this on a church, on a sign outside a church building. She told me about it. I had to go get a picture of it. This was actually outside a church in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, or it was some time ago. Perpetual adoration. How would Americans go about perpetual? Spend an hour and call it perpetual. That's the way we go about it. We are so used to everything being instant. What God would teach us is that Bible study must come first. We must know what God says about prayer. Here in Colossians 4.2, He tells us we must devote ourselves. Devotion is not casual. Devotion is not quick. You cannot devote yourself to something while you are doing something else. Prayer requires attention, time, and intensity. And you only get that when you devote yourself to it. Now, you may have read this verse before. You may have heard this verse quoted in a sermon before. Reading about prayer and hearing sermons about prayer will not change you until you drop the Twinkie and devote yourself to prayer. One way to intensify your prayers and bring focus to your life is fasting. The Bible speaks so very frequently of fasting. In the Old Testament, we find commands for fasting. In the New Testament, Jesus Himself gave us both His personal example and instruction for fasting. In the book of Acts, we have the example of the early church. They fasted. And yet, very few Americans fast. We don't fast because we are not willing to deprive ourselves. We see the symptoms all around us. Credit card debt is rampant because we will not deprive ourselves. Mortgage foreclosure is epidemic. Very often because we will not deprive ourselves. The Center for Disease Control recently reported... A new milestone in America has been reached. One in four Americans is obese. These are all symptoms of spiritual issues. They are indicators that we are out of shape. We must drop that Twinkie and go into strict training. I want to challenge you to consider a fast. You may decide that you're going to fast for a few hours or for one day, for 12 or 24 hours. Maybe you'll decide, I'm going to fast one day a week. 
Not every fast is a food fast. I know people who one day a week they fast from television. Just turn the thing off and won't turn it on for a whole day, one day during the week. You could probably find some activity that you could deny yourself. If you choose to accept that challenge, I would encourage you to use the time wisely. Redeem the time that you would have used for eating, watching television, or whatever for Bible study, prayer, or one of the other spiritual disciplines. Fasting is one way to drop that Twinkie. Another way to create is another way is to create periods of silence and solitude. This is where I'm going to drop my Twinkie. As I was preparing for this message, I realized that I very rarely experience silence. I work really hard to drive away quiet. When I'm at home, I turn the television on. When I'm in the car, I've got the CD player on. Even in my quiet time. Quiet time? My quiet time isn't quiet time. I've got instrumental music in the background. We live in a loud world. We're surrounded by noise. So I'm going to begin creating 30 minutes in the morning when I just have quiet. Now, I've done this before and benefited from it so greatly, but I abandoned the practice because it's hard. It's hard for me to do. My natural tendency is toward noise. I'll sing to myself. I'll whistle. I'll do something to drive away the quiet. I am learning to value the instruction of the psalmist. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Psalm 46, 10 says, Be still. And know that I am God. Jesus gives us an example to follow in the practice of the discipline of solitude. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says, Very very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where He prayed. We miss so much because we try to understand Jesus through an American way of thinking. What we want are six quick and easy ways to be spiritually successful. We want bullet points with PowerPoint slides. And we want a companion DVD. And Jesus does not communicate to us that way. Do you want spiritual success? Do you want spiritual power? Do you want to know how to pray? Do you want victory over temptation? Do you want to stop trying to live the Christian life and actually live the Christian life? Then do what Jesus did. No bullet points, no graphs, no charts, no computer-generated images. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus was in strict spiritual training. 
Now, if we go to Luke chapter 4, we find out his day planner was full. Jesus had to find time to do this. There was a time when people actually went looking for Jesus. He'd gone off to a solitary place and people couldn't find him. And so they went looking and interrupted his solitude. The only way that he was going to find time for solitude, silence, and prayer was to create the time. He had to make it his very top priority. And so he rose early in the morning before anyone else did. Now, for some of you, this sounds very familiar. Your calendar is full. Your day planner is packed. And people send you email. And people phone you. And if they still can't get your attention, they will text you. For most of us, the only solution is to rise early in the morning and make the spiritual disciplines our very top priority. Do you realize what I just said? The only solution is to follow Jesus. And that's really what all of this is about. That's what the Christian life is. It is following Jesus. That's the purpose for the disciplines of prayer, solitude, and silence, and Bible study that we've been talking about this morning. To draw closer to Jesus Christ. To lead you to discover who Jesus is. And to help you follow Him more closely. So what have you identified that is keeping you from following Jesus more closely? I think it will probably be different for everybody in the room. But I also think that everybody in the room has at least one. So will you accept the challenge? We're going to give you the opportunity to drop that Twinkie at the doors in the back of the auditorium. There are baskets. And what I'm going to invite you to do is as you leave this morning, drop your Twinkie in the basket. Hold on to that little card. Write in on that card. If you haven't done it already, write in there now what your Twinkie is. What is it that you're going to get out of your life? What is it that you're going to stop? What is it that you're going to remove? What is it that you're going to change? And in the, in the line below that, write in. What you're going to replace it with. This is crucial. You must replace it with something. Whatever you take out of your life, you must put something back in. Take out the empty calories. Take out the wasted time. Take out the fruitless efforts. And put in something that's going to be spiritually nutritious for you. Fill that in on your card. Keep the card. And then as you go through the door, drop your Twinkie. If you choose to drop your Twinkie in the basket, that will be a symbol of the decision that you have made to drop the empty calories. It will be a way to both express and remember your decision to do away with something empty. And replace it with something nutritious. Now, if you'd like to, 
you're free to keep the little plastic encased Twinkie. But if you drop it in the basket, that's something that I really think you're going to remember for a while. That is the challenge. So here's the invitation. Your Twinkie might be different from anything else that we've been talking about this morning. It might be for you that what you need to surrender, what you need to give up, is your resistance to following Jesus Christ. It may be that you have chosen, that you're, you've made the choice that you're going to follow your own path. You're going to make your own choices. This morning, we invite you to change paths. To cease following your own paths, your own wisdom, your own desires, and to begin to follow Jesus Christ. To become obedient to His teaching, His wisdom, and His plan. If you're ready to begin following Jesus Christ, we invite you to tell us that. You can tell me before we leave today. Your elders are going to be here uh, for, a, for a time this morning. Find one of them. Tell us that you do not want to resist Jesus Christ any longer. Tell us that you want to follow Jesus. I want to lead us in a prayer. Father in heaven, I am so very grateful. So very grateful for this opportunity to share from your word. So very grateful for the way your word is impacting and changing my life. And grateful for what you are going to do. Because of the, the time that we've shared together this morning. Through the, through the songs. Through conversations in the hallway. Through your word. Through praying together. I'm grateful for what you're going to do in all of that. As we make our decisions, Father. I ask that your spirit will work in us. Empower us, strengthen us, invigorate us, fill us with your enthusiasm, with your joy. And I ask, Father, that you will give us opportunities this week to not only grow closer to your son, Jesus, to not only grow stronger, to not only pick up the pace in our race, but I ask, Father, give us opportunities to share with others what you are doing in our lives. Give us opportunities to share the love and the salvation of your son, Jesus. And we ask that you will do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Cause I've been under this beautiful 